So if you could be here around nine, that would be great. Okay. Well, listen here. Hello, and welcome to 90 Day Fiance Okay. I'm Mr. O, and today, Miss H and I will be discussing Season 6, Episode 11 of Before the 90 Days. In this episode, Statler finally brings up moving in with Dempsey, Tyree meets with the real Carmella, Gino tries to square things between Jasmine and his family, Christian defensively justifies himself to Cleo, Amanda and Rosalind get down, but then get in a huge fight, and Sheila gets an estimate on fixing everything up at her place. As always, we'll end with our Students of the Week, Class Dances, and Life Lessons. All right, thanks for listening. Stay safe and enjoy. Hello, Mr. O. Hello, Miss H. How are you today? I'm I'm doing better than you because I'm still enjoying the end of my summer <laughs> vacation. I'm out here on the West Coast, but not with you today. So, right, you know. right. So, and I, that means I, I'm using my, you know, computer microphone. So, if the sound isn't as good today as it usually is, that's because apparently San Diego is worse than being in the middle of the Pacific Ocean because, you know, you've done that before. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, I don't really want to talk about my terrible day. Uh, first day of school, the day of nightmares. It's like every teacher nightmare come true. So let's go. I would say a little bit more positive, but it kind of takes a turn at some point. Mm -hmm. Uh, Let's start off with Dempsey and Statler. So it's Valentine's Day and Statler has set up a scavenger hunt for Dempsey. Dempsey isn't quite sure how she pulled this off, considering that Statler doesn't really know the area very well. Dempsey says this is the most romantic thing anyone has ever done for her. Statler's clues are all kind of rhymy, but not really. And Dempsey has a thought that Statler might propose at the end of this scavenger hunt, but she says that it's way too soon for that. Statler is planning on asking Dempsey instead if she could move in. Statler is waiting uh, for her with a pile of roses. She's worried that Dempsey might not be ready to move in together. Dempsey finds Statler and they joke that Statler is the thorn to Dempsey's rose. Statler is clearly nervous as she chugs her cocktail. Statler has given Dempsey some mushroom earrings because Dempsey this time likes mushrooms. Dempsey likes the way that Statler is looking at her. They awkwardly eat s'mores when Statler tries to make a speech about how things have gone so well and finishes by telling Dempsey she loves her and Dempsey, she says it back. She then tells Dempsey about her lease back at home and how she has no plans to renew it. Statler says that the next step would be to move to England and with Dempsey. Dempsey says that they should take things slow, which means not moving in together, but offers the plan of Statler living up the road with the possibility of moving together in six months. Statler asks, what is the point of that? If they love each other and want a future together, why would she move all that way to not live together? Dempsey thinks that they just don't know each other deeply, and she throws out the example of just finding out three days ago that Statler had has cheated on a partner before. Dempsey then asks if Statler has talked to her ex, and Statler confesses to talking to her ex only a month ago. Dempsey then gets upset that Statler's ex had asked to pick her up from the airport and wanted to stay in a hotel to get closer, uh, to get closure, not closer, closure with Statler. Dempsey feels ill after finding this out. All right. Mm-hmm. So uh, it started off pretty nice and then certainly took a turn. I mean, we were kind of expecting that because it doesn't seem like Statler and Dempsey are on the same page. No. Uh, do you think that 
it was a bad sign, though, that Dempsey, you know, said no, but let's move up the street. And I thought it was decent that she had a pretty specific timeline in mind. Like, she didn't say, like, just live up the street and we'll move in together eventually. She said six months. Yeah, I mean, that's not... I don't think it's unreasonable. I think move to this country and move somewhere where we can be closer together and see each other more is more an appropriate place as to where they are in the relationship. Yeah. Um, that it, from what I've seen, it's just that you're right. They don't see eye to eye, right? Yeah. And it's just that like, I think if you know, ask each other, well, how long, like, it's one of those things that I feel like if, if, if they're still together in a year, right. And you ask them, Dempsey would say they've been together for a year. And Statler would say, We've been together for three years, right? right. Just, so they just don't interpret this relationship in anywhere in, you know, in the same way. And like, yeah, I do appreciate that she, you know, gave it kind of a reevaluate in six months or whatever. And like, I don't know. I just don't see. I was frustrated with how Statler didn't seem to understand in any way, like where Dempsey was coming from. Right. She was like, "You're either all in or you're all out. What the hell's the point of doing anything besides what I want to do?" And it's like. That's that's a red flag to me. Yeah. I feel like there are some people that kind of view relationships generally like that. Like, you know, oh, we should get married now, you know, and it's mm -hmm. just like, well, mm -hmm. why? Like, oh, well, you love me and I love you. So that's like what we should be doing. It's just like, well, you know, but there's other things. There's other situational things that have nothing to do with your love for one another that could be a challenge to your lives that could potentially like affect your relationship. And I think like that's something that people don't consider. They're the ones who yeah. think, you know, like love can conquer all and all you need is love. And when you think about it from that perspective, yeah, it doesn't make sense. If you love each other, why aren't you making a lifelong commitment right now? You know, but if you understand that love is certainly important, but it's not the entire puzzle, then no, it's like, yeah, for sure. I mean, I definitely think that, like, I mean, I obviously know that you don't consider, you know, actually living with each other to be right. the most important thing and part of being, but even necessarily part of being all in. You're a little unusual with that. But, yes. Um, like, you certainly can think that you can be all in with someone and not feel like you have to share four walls with them. Right, right. right. And, um, but I also kind of feel like, yeah, there's a difference between being all in I don't know, kind of, kind of the metaphor I thought of was like, you know, if you have to go up 200 feet, right? Mm -hmm. And you're committed to going up those 200 feet, right? If you give me a switchback path, you know, to go up and get up at 200 feet, it's going to go slower, right? But I know yeah. I'm going to get to the top. Yeah. If you tell me to climb up a clear shift, uh, cliff face to get up 200 feet, I'm not going to make it, right? <laughs> and so for everything to change all at once because you're all the way in – is a recipe for like disastrous results that you could have avoided if you eased into it and took things at, at, at a, you know, pace yourself and getting into things, right? Because in terms of, especially moving in, right? Yeah. I feel like anyone who's ever had a house guest that stayed a little bit longer than you wanted them to stay knows how like invasive and like it can be to have someone just in your space and there's like right. oh my god they're still here like they're here i can't even take a sh i can't i can't take a shit in peace i can't watch the show over like, it's just, it is here like they're in my goddamn way like and and especially if you're if you're like dempsey and you really value your solitude it seems mm -hmm. like 
that that can be like very much where you're like, I just want to wash my dishes without telling somebody to get out of the way. Right. Well, yeah, I was going to say, forget solitude. Like Dempsey's like living situation just doesn't lend itself for right. two people really to live in that tiny space. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and it's not about. And yes, it is a relationship that you want to succeed and you're all involved in. And she said she loved her. I mean, Dempsey yeah. said she loves Statler. Yeah. So it's not like I, I think that's something that says something on its own without being like, but it's going to take time for me to figure out what my life looks like with you in it. And not just be like, well, you're going to have to figure it out when right now because my lease is up. Like, that's too much. Yeah. And, and I don't know. I thought that I thought that Statler was hurt that Dempsey basically said no. And right. I'm glad that Dempsey said no. But and that's where the ex stuff came from. Right. Like, I right. know Dempsey kind of gave it, but I, I, I got it. Feel, felt like Statler was kind of like, oh, great. I'm glad I had this opportunity to hurt you back right now. Mm, interesting. Well, I'm trying to figure out why Statler is so hell-bent on this, like, fast timeline. And it kind of made me wonder, is there, like, is this a money-motivated situation? I'm not saying she doesn't love Dempsey. That's not what I'm saying. But it's like, are you eager to, like, break, you know, get out of your living situation? Are you eager to get out of your job? Because if she lives there, she can't work. So what well, is she going to do for money? She's just going to yeah. rely on Dempsey? Well, I don't even know. I can't even remember what her work situation is, what she does for work. I imagine she could do something remote. I mean, it's a lot harder to do things remote from England. That's uh, that's a lot of hours ahead from uh, Texas. Um, yeah. Yeah. Right. And uh, yeah, I just – I don't know. It, she And that's what worries me about it, right? Because, I mean, I, I have – I know this is a quirk of my personality that I – I tend to take a long time to decide about like buying things, right? Mm. Where I'm like, oh, I'm going to get a, a smartwatch, right? Now I look around and I kind of look at it and decide which one I want. But once I decide which smartwatch I want to get, I'm like, why don't I have it already? I need this thing now. Now yeah. I should have it yesterday. This is annoying that I have to wait a week for it to get delivered. This is, ah, like once I make the decision, I want it to happen right away, right? Mm -hmm. And so I get where she's coming from with this. She's, I already decided that we want to move in together. And so, damn my work life, damn everything else. I, this is what I need most in my life right now. But we know that that's false, right? That that's a that's a that's a feeling you need to have patience and control. I don't need my smartwatch in negative two days, right? Yeah. She doesn't need to move in right now to be committed. She doesn't need to move in for the. I mean, I don't know the money situation because the thing is, she doesn't even like Dempsey's house. It doesn't have right. water. Like, yeah. So, I, I, it is very confusing. Yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah, so this couple, it's like, I don't hate them together, but it did also seem weird to me that, you know, Statler was like, I, I wouldn't even really say it was throwing her ex in Dempsey's face, but mm -hmm. it's kind of interesting that we're just hearing some of this information. Like, Wanting to stay in a hotel to get closure. Where did that come from? That makes no sense at all. By closure, she means have sex one more time, right? Because right. that's the only kind of closure getting by staying in a hotel by the airport. Right. I mean, I even misread my own stuff to get closer. Yeah, right. Yeah. I mean, that's that's definitely the move of an ex. You'd be like, I just think we need to talk one more time. And secretly being like, and also bang one more time. <laughs> so that'd be nice. All right. So... Let's speaking of people who 
maybe aren't on the same page of what's going on uh, intimacy-wise. Let's talk about Christian and Cleo. So Cleo was in the Uber, headed to confront Christian about his lying about the two of them having sex. So she feels like he is ashamed uh, about having sex with, with, with her, and it feels like a huge betrayal. So Christian, though, we kind of get the back and forth interview, individual interviews between the two of them. He feels like he's being unfair and blowing this whole thing out of proportion. But he's still been waiting, knowing that she's angry at him, and he feels like this is whole like a big anxiety trick she's pulling on it. So Cleo comes back with her friend Jane, who is there to pretty much mediate this awkward situation. So he starts the meeting by saying that he already doesn't feel like he's getting a fair shake. Like it's literally how it's introduced. Um, and you know, it, it's it's two on one, and Cleo has been talking to this mediator, talking talking shit to the mediator already, but. Then anyway, we start, Cleo tells her side of the story, and she just wants to know where they stand. So Christian wants to clear the air. He, the only reason he asked about it, he just wanted to double check to see if she actually told the producers what she said she was going to do, told the producers, and he didn't want it. He was going to protect her. He just wanted to make sure that what they had discussed yesterday was still on. So he, he kind of tells stories about how it doesn't make any sense for him to have sex with her. And then lie about it to the producers. But Cleo and Jane is like, okay, it might not make sense, but that's what you did. And it doesn't. But that's what happened. And he says, well, not my mind. That's not what happened. So Jane thinks Christian is just being defensive and going on the attack because he got caught in a lie. And is now just pretty much looking for any excuse he can think of. So Jane thinks he might not be confident enough in in himself to pull off this whole entire relationship. So next up, the, his next strategy is to say, well, you know, I'm feeling really ganged up on, so I need to just talk to Cleo one-on-one. Jane agrees, and she steps into the other room. So now that it's one-on-one, he just kind of does his, I just want to explain, I just want to explain. So again, he tells her about how he didn't, how he wanted to double check, and then he, and, and that was not a big deal, and all of a sudden you're calling me a gaslighter and a psychopath, and... You know, all this mean stuff. And I can't be in a relationship with things. Somebody that calls me these type of things. So Cleo apologizes for her lack of filter, uh, but still wonders, uh, you know, why he, why his instinct was to hide things. So he says he doesn't care what other people think, except that one time with my family, you know, that was just one time briefly. So she kind of talks over him a little bit now, says, you know, she's questioning him when, oh, he also is like, why are you even quite asking me questions? Oh, and all I'm doing is telling the truth. So he yes, starts talking about yeah. how he would never, never cover up their intimacy. And Cleo cuts him off saying that this conversation is just going around in circles. And maybe you missed it when I said I was, I will give you the benefit of the doubt and we'll try to move on. But he doesn't seem like he's getting the benefit of the doubt. So anyway, it seems like they do kind of come to an understanding. I'm not even sure what that understanding is. I know. And then um, Christian believes that their relationship might get stronger now. So they hug, which is specifically Christian be like, can I hug you now? Cleo's still confused. And by confused, I think it means she doesn't believe Christian at all. So when Jane comes back in, Christian said he'd like to meet Jane again under better circumstances for a refresher. So outside in an interview, Jane, who it sounds like basically heard the entire conversation through a doorway, uh, says that Cleo should really keep her guard up. Um, uh, So I guess we'll, we'll go on that. I feel like I've already kind of poked around the internet a little bit. There was pretty strong reactions to what was going on here. Um, do you think Jane is right that Cleo should have her guard up for now? Oh, yeah. 
absolutely. <laughs> I feel like even his explanation of what happened wasn't really his no, explanation. It didn't, it didn't. It didn't. It didn't make sense because no, it didn't make sense. He called her and said. And when he called her, he was like, so I told the producers this. What did you tell the producers? So he yeah. had already covered it up. Like, it's right. not like he was checking beforehand. Yeah. Well, the other thing is, is I feel like she kind of jumped in to kind of fill in, you know, oh, so this, you know, oh, and then he was sure, like, sure, yeah, sure. yeah, you know, like basically glomming on to her actual explanation mm-hmm. and then called it a day. He was like, yes. And, you know, I don't know. Maybe he is someone who is horrible at verbalizing, but I think he has a horrible time at verbalizing it because he didn't have a real reason. He, he did not have logic on his side. For sure. No, he didn't. Yeah. And so it's just like, well, now I'm stuck in, you know, I'm stuck in this a conversation. I don't really have a reason for why I did the things that I did. And so it's like he was so happy when, you know, he finally got her to say something that sounded somewhat reasonable. And he's Plausible, like, yes, that's, for sure. that's exactly what I was doing. It's just like, you're not smart enough. I mean, I said a lot of things that he said. But for yeah. a significant portion of this conversation, he was just like, I just, uh, I'm, uh, uh, it's just, uh, uh. like he was like doing that, right? Yeah. He didn't have anything to say because there wasn't a reasonable thing to say. I mean, he definitely tried to, you know, darvo her, right? The, the yeah. deny attack. He was certainly denying, certainly attacking, certainly trying to make her look like the bad guy. And you called me a gaslighter? How could I be with someone who's a, who still calls me a gaslighter? And it was like it was it was pretty gross. And and especially trying to get her away from her friends so she could, right. he could talk to her one on one. Not a great sign, really not. Yeah, because I feel like Jane wasn't the one who was doing any of the talking. Mm-hmm. So why does it matter if she's there or not? I yeah. mean, she asked a couple questions, and he's like, "I feel ganged up on." It's like, well. You know, it's not that they're both talking to you at the same time. Yeah. I mean, I think it was especially bullshit given that we know that Cleo is autistic. Right. And he's like, so what I want right now is I want your neurotypical friend who understands the emotional nuances that are going on here. I want her out of here. I want to talk to the person whose disability makes it hard to understand emotional situations. I want to talk to that person alone. Well, fuck that. That's bullshit. (laughs) You know, like, and so... He just wanted to take the situation where he wasn't in the advantage because he was, quote unquote, ganged up on and put one where he was clearly in the advantage because, yeah, I mean, it seemed it it just made it seem like he really wanted to emotionally manipulate an autistic person, which is gross. Right. I mean, she should have her guard up. And quite honestly, it's like I just feel like she needs to really listen to Jane's advice and get rid of this dude. He sucks. He sucks so bad. There's not much. It's This is one of those people and we have a few of those people in this in this season where it's like, wait, what are their redeeming qualities again? He has because zero. We've only seen him like bullshit, like hit on young girls. Yeah. And lie to her. Like, yeah. Okay. Why, why are we around this guy again? Yeah, he's pretty awful. But he's also the kind of person that thinks he could come off a different way on TV. Oh, he, he does not. Yeah, he comes off on TV very different than he thought. He Either he thought he would or he thought yeah. he does. Yes. Um, yeah, for sure. All right. Uh, so let's talk about our couple that hopefully we have seen the last of them. Uh, and that's Tyrae and Carmella. Uh, I so, really hope so. <laughs> yeah. 
Tyree is in Denver and he's supposed to be meeting Carmela. And he's convinced that meeting her will somehow, somehow magically give him answers. Tyree is all kinds of smiles when Carmela walks in the door. She claims to need to put on her glasses to make sure it's him. And he's just nervously laughing almost this entire time. He says it's weird and she agrees. Tyree says that seeing Carmela in real life is kind of a mind fuck. Uh, because she looks even better than her photos, but it's hurtful to know that this isn't the woman he uh, was talking to for the last four years. Tyrae recaps his side of the relationship to Carmela and says it's difficult being there when he's been in a relationship with the image of her. She isn't very talkative, and Tyrae interprets her awkward silence as some indication of guilt and participation in his catfish scammer. He then asks her if she has anything to do with the whole thing, and she knows a Christian in Barbados. Carmela says that she wasn't in on anything, and if anything, she's creeped out that someone has basically stolen her identity and done things like this scam to other people. Tyree says he may have to accept that he may not ever get closure. He says that talking to Carmela, he is 100% sure that it really is a scam, and that meeting her just bought him back to reality. Producers asked Carmela why she actually agreed to meet with Tyree. She thought it was weird meeting a guy who fell in love with pictures of her, but she felt sorry for him, which is why she agreed. Tyree says that he's going to close the chapter and he's going to get off the app and delete the messages. Carmela then, you know, gives him a pep talk telling him to be positive and not let the bad situation ruin his relationships in the future. Tyree then, like, whips out this gift he has for her of a candle, and he thinks that they're vibing, so he asks if she's single and she'd like to keep in touch. He says that they should keep talking and, you know, said that he could come to Denver to visit again or she could visit him in California. Carmela gives him a hug goodbye. Tyree says that he was online dating because he was scared to date in the real world, but after his... What he thinks is a successful flirtation with the real Carmela, he's feeling a little bit more confident about dating women offline. All right. So do you think that Tyree has used this entire show to meet the real Carmela to try, like, you know, get some kind of love connection with the real Carmela, uh, knowing full well that this was not the real Carmela? I mean, he definitely I mean, he knew it was a real Carmela and he knew it was happening, but it was like. I hope not, and not because that's sad and pathetic, because it's sad and pathetic, but because, like, if he manipulated the entire show and us the whole time to get on this show, and that was the best shot he took, like, <laughs> then why? That was, like, the weakest attempt at getting somebody, getting somebody I think I've ever seen. So, like, maybe we could, like, be friends and hang out. Like, I'll show you around California, right? Like, maybe? Well, you know Tyree definitely seems the type of person who gets friend-zoned because his method of trying to start... friendship. Well, but, you know, and this is why, right? Is I feel like he offers friendship because he thinks that he he's insecure, right? So he doesn't yes. think that he would be able to get a relationship off the bat. So he's trying to ease in there with a friend's first approach, right? So those are the kinds of guys that like 
end up getting friend zone because if that's your strategy and the other person wasn't interested in, you know, a relationship, you know, from the beginning, it's like, yeah, your, you know, friendship is welcome, but anything more, sorry. Which is, I don't know, it's just, why would you get anything more than you asked for? It doesn't make any sense. Yeah, no, that's exactly. Right. And so it just, it's, it's sad. And the thing about it is, is as like, I know he does not, I think he's very self-conscious about his looks. Yeah. um, Specifically. He's not a bad looking guy. I know he's probably more, uh, he's more nervous about his size, but I wouldn't say he's particularly large. I mean, he's, he's a, he's a big guy. He's a big guy for sure. But I thought like him and Carmelo were actually pretty proportionately sized. Yeah, I think he was... To one another. I think he was a lot bigger than Carmelo. Oh, really? But, but I still think that his size isn't so much that it could have been overcome with confidence, right? Yeah. No, absolutely. Like, if, you come, if you're talking to people with confidence and you're not hedging already before they said no to you, then, you know, that, that's the kind of thing that, that doesn't... That, that works, right? I yeah. Think. But... It's also weird that he, like, the whole time he's, you know, not self-deprecating humor, but just like self-deprecating. Well, I know, I know, I know I'm so awkward. I know I'm so weird. Well, then, yeah. Like, it's the same thing with the friend zone. If, if, if you think that someone's going to reject you, right, mm-hmm. then they've already rejected you. Yeah. Right? <laughs> if you think that someone's going to think you're, you're ugly and you leave with, I think I'm ugly, then they think you're ugly. They're going to agree with you. Right. Right. And right. they might not agree with you if you come, you know, with ridiculous uh, confidence being like, I'm the hottest guy in the bar. Right. <laughs> they might not agree with you. But if you think you're not attractive and you think you can't do any better than being their friend, they're going to agree. Because right. I thought Carmela was super sweet. Uh, yeah, she was very nice. Yeah. Like I, she had the thing with the glasses. She took them on. She took them off. Like I thought she was a very friendly person. And yeah. Not to be wrong, someone who is in, you know, sex work or sex adjacent work, generally very friendly people. That's sure. how they make their business, right? Yeah. Um, and so, like, I don't know, but I'd say he had a shot because I definitely think the whole situation – I think he could have had, maybe even had a shot if they had met under different circumstances. Yeah. Along with that, right? I think already this is a guy who is in love with my image. Right. Is not something that most girls are going to go for seems pretty creepy. Yeah. Um, so the fact that she met with him is, and stuff was, was sweet. She, you know, dealt with him sweetly. I think like, for lack of a better way, she kind of let him down nicely. Like, yeah. Yeah, definitely. But, but yeah, I, I'm really hoping we see the last of him because I don't see, I don't see anything else worthy of going forward from here. Right. Yeah. No. And, I just I feel bad for the guy because I wondered if he really thought there was kind of a path forward. And that's why he was kind of throwing out like the visits and the offer of friendship, you know. But it's like you have to know that given the situation, like this girl isn't trying to date you. No, I mean, not even just given the situation where it is like you're already at a difference. What are we going to date between Denver and like a long distance relationship is something that like college couples try out when they were already dating in real person and they moved apart. It's just so hard to start that organically, especially with someone who is like in her line of work. Right. I I imagine it's extremely hard for her to date. I'm sure there's lots of jealousy issues that come up. um, If she tried to date everyone, let alone somebody who doesn't have her nearby. Like that would, that would be rough. 
All right, so speaking of other rough things, let's talk David and Sheila. So it's only been a few days since Sheila's mother's funeral, and obviously she's still very depressed about it. So David wants to make her feel better, so he shaves and he visits her. It looks like they meet up in the common area of the hotel room. Amy, the interpreter, is still around, and even if she does make Sheila a bit jealous, that seems to be getting better. And they really need this communication at this point to go very smoothly. So Sheila says that she was traumatized by the way her mother, you know, died because of a fall and still has trouble accepting it. And she even starts to cry right there in the hotel. So David's trying her best, to, his best to console her, but the communication is still a challenge. So Sheila says she needs to put aside, she's in an interview, she needs to put aside her pain and focus on David since they don't have much more time together. So they all get into a car and go back to the house where they're meeting with a contractor. Um, because she wants to like, you know, the staircase fell off the wall. It was broken. She's like, you know what? We have to fix everything. I want to fix mm -hmm. it all up. Everything that needs prepared is repaired. So she can't afford to do everything though, because it's quite, quite expensive. So she needs David's help. So in the car ride, Shiva, Sheila wants to know what David can afford, uh, before they get there. So he, through Amy, he tells her that he makes about $800 per week, which to, me and you and most people in America is like, oh, geez, yikes. But to her is like, that's a lot of money, right? Uh, I don't yeah. know. Like unemployment, I think you get more. Yeah, it's no. I'm saying, but as, as an American, I know how much I make a week and 800 would be very hard. Like, um, and not Actually, no, I take it, it back. 800 every two weeks is what you would make on unemployment. Okay. All right. Yeah. So double unemployment. So, so. David says he's happy to help, but, you know, he doesn't know that she understands this, this scenario, and he's certainly not a rich person. So they get there, and they need the Jupiter, the contractor, so he can scope out the whole place. So Amy looks like she's doing her hardest to translate, but, you know, he, Jupiter doing that contractor thing is a replace that, and we'll do this, and we'll do this, and this, and this, and this, and we got this, we got the floor over here, he's talking very fast. So the total of everything, after they all come, come down to it, he says between parts and labor, it'll be about 100,000 pesos. So that ends up being, after they put it in Google, about 1700 American dollars. That's a lot more than David thought it was going to be. So now he needs to discuss things with Sheila, basically because it's beyond his means to pay for that in like one check. Mm -hmm. So that's going to have to include about trying to explain to her that that's not the kind of money he has to throw around. So later in the night, they go to the local sports bar, which looks like the nicest, uh, looks like the nicest place they've been, been so far in terms of like the TVs and furniture and everything. So they both get a beer and they start to discuss the discuss um, the bar. She's like, what do you think of the bar? And he's like, well, it's nice. And Sheila's like, do you think it's nice because you're staring at all the girls that are around? Because I feel like you're staring at all the girls that are around. And he's like, no, no, no. I'm just looking at people. Faces only. Faces only. Nothing above and below the neck. <laughs> so they move on to talking about the house. And he says he wants to help with the house, but he can't afford paying for everything, even if he is working two jobs. So Sheila gets like, Pretty embarrassed right now that she's asking for help, especially since she's not working right now. And she tells us that she had a job pre-pandemic, but that job is not really there anymore. So she's worried that, you know, she doesn't want to try to force him into something he can't afford. And she's worried that now he's going to think she's just after his money. So now she has a lot more questions uh, like, you know, it. Not just about, she's saying, you know, I'm not a gold digger here, but now if he can't afford to help me fix up my house, is he like going to be a 
solid income for me and my son if we do move to the U.S. and and things like that. So she has more questions going forward. So, I mean, well, it's just I guess we're got to stick to the house. Like, no, geez, I mean, so what? What is the best move for for David here? I guess. I mean, I don't know. What would she do if she wasn't with him? You know. Yeah. I mean, I, well, I think it's been it's been however many however long since the typhoon, right? And we yeah. know that David sent money after that, but. She would just, it sounds like the repairs just wouldn't get done. Yeah. So, I mean, like, I mean, that sucks, especially, you know, now that you have someone who's died because of, you know, a shoddy Mm -hmm. situation in the Mm -hmm. house. But, I mean, he can afford what he can afford. Like, I think a compromise would be to talk to the contractor and be like, what is the vital stuff? Yeah, prioritize. Right? And prioritize, sure. mm-hmm. you know, what what could potentially kill someone versus what's something that needs attention, but, you know, it'll be okay for a little bit. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's probably, that's probably what I'd imagine they'll end up doing. Mm-hmm. But like, I don't know, that just seems, and we've seen that, we've seen this a couple times. We've never seen it to this extreme level, the amount of like, different understanding of how much money goes how far in the u.s versus in their home country yeah right and i seem i feel like like i said i feel like this is the most extreme case of it because like i said we both looked at it, it was like eight hundred dollars we were both like that's not yeah. good for him to be working two jobs and only make eight hundred dollars a week is i mean that that's and you know i mean i'm sure himself. it's fine for him yeah. You know, especially because he probably doesn't live in a very, like, um, high-cost area. Sure. But at the same time, that's just supporting him. Like, we're not considering, like, mm-hmm. him having mm-hmm. to support an unworking single mom and her child. Right. Or having then, to rebuild someone else's house, you know? Right. And it's one of those things. But I'm sure to them, they look at $800 and see how many whatever pesos that is. And they're like, holy crap. You know what we could do with that? Because it's like... You know, it's two months pay for him. Right. To be able to fix everything up. But I, you know, gave the impression that not a lot of people have two months pay just laying around, especially those at the lower end of the income spectrum. Right. Right. Sure. So it, it's, it's, and she, and to, to her credit, she doesn't disbelieve him. We've seen other people. Um, right. We definitely have. I've seen like, no, you're rich. Shut up. You're in America. Of course you're rich. Right. 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 And she she didn't do that, and I mean and, and I mean, do you think she seemed to feel feel pretty bad? Do you think she just feel felt pretty bad because she didn't realize how much she was asking from him? Yeah, I, I mean, I yeah, I I think that she doesn't want to be in this situation where she's dependent on someone for money. Well, which is good because yeah. I mean, no, I, I nobody should want to be in that situation. <laughs> Right. But I think maybe, you know, she just I think she doesn't realize how much it is mm-hmm. or, you know, or the I, even the idea of like you she, maybe a better question would have been how much extra money do you have a week? Yeah. Yeah. That's because, true. you know, it's like, well, 800 could be a lot if you are living rent free mm-hmm. and you only have to pay for, you know, your food. You know, but 800 is not a lot if you have to pay, you know, let's say 600 in rent, you know, and then 200 is really all you're left with. Well, he's at 800, but but 
that's all my I, I you know I heard that and he's in a different part of the country than I am yes but certainly eight hundred a week doesn't cover my rent no like let alone anything else right and so yeah and so yeah you're like you can say yes well and eight hundred a week is also probably gross he's got to pay taxes first right right, right. <laughs> and so you know it, it I could see it being different. Yeah. I mean, if they had had a conversation where it's like, I make 800 a week, but these are my financial obligations. Right. And so this is what I really have at the end of it. Maybe she would have had a better idea. Right. Which is where we come along with the probably the biggest problem between the two of them. I mean, I do think they both seem to care for each other, but they just their communication is not what it needs to be. Uh, right. Just, somebody needs to get better at something. Yeah. Which is interesting that he was like, I know she gets a little jealous, but... Amy's great, you know, and I appreciate that she's around because most people are, you know, just we'll figure it out. We'll use Google Translate. And Uh, he's like, no, we need a translator. Now, that said, it it makes for better TV when we have the stupid egg from Devin and Jihoon. Oh, Um, yeah. (laughs) But, you know, this is probably better for them. Yeah. I also wonder if production is just covering the cost because I'm sure they need someone to interpret Oh, they sure do. Yeah. Right. Between production and David. So mm-hmm. it might be that he doesn't have to pay extra, whereas these other situations, they would probably have to foot the cost of a translator. Oh, yeah. Somebody, somebody's got to be interpreting for the interviews. Right. right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Let's move on to our uh, other couple, Gino and Jasmine, who may have a potential gold digger situation here. Uh, Gino and Jasmine are making more positive memories by taking a cooking class. Later, they go on a hike to Waterfall. Gino says that things seem to be going better, but now he has concerns about Jasmine and her relationship with his family. Jasmine says that she's mad at Gino's cousin, Dana, because Dana questioned her love for Gino. They video call Dana, and Jasmine is feeling anxious because she does want the family to like her, but she's also not going to stop being herself. Dana and Jasmine say polite greetings before Gino confronts Dana about the messages that he sent to Jasmine. Dana says he doesn't know Jasmine very well, and he was having a moment of doubt when he sent the message. Jasmine asks what kind of doubts. Dana says his doubts were mm, from the internet uh, because of all her beauty treatments, and she seems to be living her best life on Gino's dime, so he questioned if she really loved him. Jasmine says that she only has to prove her love to Gino. Dana then brings up all the arguing and questions if that's really love. Jasmine says that Gino's a grown-ass man who can choose to give her money or not, and she's tired of the assumptions that Gino is a delicate baby. Dana says that it's none of his business, and he didn't mean anything by the message. Jasmine thinks that the apology is fake, and it's really just for Gino's sake and not hers. Gino thinks Dana thanks Dana and concludes that Jasmine is the one who's not letting this go, although he was really happy that she didn't blow up on him. Since things are going really well, Gino thinks this is the perfect time to bring up concerns, which includes having a positive attitude, especially about his family. Jasmine starts to cry and asks if he will defend her if his family hates her. She's scared of losing him because of his family. Gino tells her not to be scared because he'll be there, and he assures her that they don't hate her. Jasmine says that she is emotionally unstable and rude, and has bad anxiety, and mm, they'll eventually hate her. 
Jasmine says that when she's insecure, she'll try to hurt someone worse than she's being hurt. And it's something she's working on because she wants to break the cycle. Uh, so I thought it was very interesting that Jasmine was, you know, I don't I don't want to say necessarily honest, but like self-deprecating. Um, yeah, self-aware. Self-aware. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, about her being calling herself emotionally unstable, rude. Mm-hmm. Um, so do you believe Jasmine's side that, you know, all of this, you know, her being loud, her fighting, her trying to hurt people by saying really bad things is all kind of an act because she's really, truly insecure? I, I don't know that it's an act um, as much as that. I think it has a lot to go with her emotional insecurity. And mm-hmm. I think she's self-aware, but she does it. I don't think she's wrong, but I don't think she's pretending in the moment when it happens. Right. And I think sure. she she gets overwhelmed. She emotionally floods and then kind of more or less loses control um, mm-hmm. and does all these things because we've seen her repeatedly like blow up at Gino, have crazy things, say ex- extremely hurtful things to him. Yeah. Very, very hurtful things where we know she is going for the throat. And then like we see her in the next scene and she's apologizing. Right. right? She's like, it was me. I was like, so – it's one of those things that I think of once she's done with the moment, once she's out of the moment, she has a, a, a moment to breathe, then she's like, oh, yeah, that thing happened again. Right? Yeah. <laughs> right? And it's like it, – it, so I guess the question is, uh, you know, I, if I was if I was her therapist and I have no license at all, would be like, well, what can we do for you to recognize that it's starting to happen before it – before you go all out, you know? Yeah. Because I just don't like the idea that you're like, well, that's just the way I am. I get a little frustrated and I have a license to say whatever mean and hurtful thing I have because I'm uh, emotionally fragile. And it's like, no, that's not what that means. Yeah. <laughs> like, um, I just – I also felt bad for her. I was definitely Team Jasmine with this argument with Dana because Dana just acted like no conviction behind his words, Right. Oh, yeah. I didn't mean anything by it. Oh, I didn't realize it would be hurtful. Oh, I had a moment of doubt when I – and it's just like you're trying to do damage control so you don't look like the asshole. Well, I mean I definitely think Dana might have gotten a little bit behind that. It's obviously not anonymous, but that uh, keyboard courage, right, that comes yeah. from being able to po- – you post something online and you're like, oh, yeah, I'll do it. And then would you have to say the same thing to their face or back it up to their face, all of a sudden it's like – yeah, I didn't really mean that. It's like, yeah. well, maybe you should, maybe you shouldn't post things online that you don't mean. Hmm. All right. All right. That was pretty sure. The other thing that was crazy to me was like, why did they go out to the middle of the jungle where the reception was awful to try to have his FaceTime call? Oh, I have no idea. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like, it's obviously so production driven. She's walking through these like jungle paths with like heels on and they sit down in the worst possible place. And then we have to watch the FaceTime video where it's just like, you know, people's faces frozen for five seconds. So I was like, why did we do this? This is so dumb. Yeah, there are definitely better places. But it also sounded like um, they tried to do a call a couple days before. Yeah. And something they, had happened. They did say that. But it, it very much seemed like he was like, let me take you out to the middle of a jungle to have this phone call. Right. Like, very, very weird. Very weird. Now, speaking of people who are very weird, let's let's go, let's go to our oh last my couple, gosh. Amanda and Rosman. So we start with Amanda trying to get Rosman out of bed. 
since he is exhausted after last night when they apparently had crazy amounts of sex. Oh, my goodness. So it seems like Rosalind's friend calling the relationship toxic, like, literally seemed like his friend called her toxic. And she was like, oh, I'll show you toxic. I'm going <laughs> to I'm gonna fuck the hell out of this guy. Like, that's what happened. So Amanda just wanted to prove her wrong. So they both say lots of things about how they're now, like, more connected and stuff like that. And maybe he wants another round. But... They're going to get going because their next activity is they're going to Dracula's castle and staying the night in a different city. So originally, this is going to be where he was going to film the music video that was like an issue earlier in the year, earlier in the episode, or not the episode, the season. But he had already called the producer to push it back because the shoot was making her uncomfortable. And we see that in the flashback. So we get to Brasov, which is the city where the castle is, and they walk around and they race up the hill and they overall seem to be having an enjoyable time. It's kind of, Rosvan is kind of like, yeah, this is how I thought the trip was going to go. We had lots of sex last night, we're having fun today. This is what I was hoping for. So then they get to them touring the actual castle. So Rosvan thinks that the castle was cool, but Amanda doesn't think it sounds, it's really romantic to go to the castle of a person mostly known for impaling people. <laughs> so they also come across, the, they come across his room that has a bunch of torture instruments in it, including an interrogation seat. So that inspires Rosman to ask some questions of his own. So it turns out that his tourist visa got approved. So he wants to know when Amanda is going to tell her children that they're more than just friends. And her answer is basically, when they're ready. And he's like, okay, when's that going to be? And he's, she's like, I don't know. I can't tell you when that's going to be. So she is afraid that it will be too emotionally, overly emotional for them. But he thinks that she's just being overdramatic. So he wonders how... Uh, She'll react if her children's reaction is kind of like, "Eh, we're not crazy about Rosvin. Mm -hmm. So she can't answer that either. And then distracts him by like just being like, and now I don't have the conversation anymore. I'm leaving. So now Amanda's mad because she feels like he's being way too pushy. And she's mad that he's demanding answers, even though her and her kids have nothing to do with him. He doesn't need answers to this. Uh, But he's just kind of like, why am I going to wait around if at the end of the day, if her kids don't like me? I'm, I'm out. Why would I mm-hmm. want to wait around for like three years for to find out her kids don't like me? So now they're fighting again, and we don't actually see much of the fight. We just see them the next day, and we start with Amanda's side of the story. This whole time, Amanda's doing an interview while putting on makeup. And Rosvin's doing his interview while like tapping a cup of coffee on the table that he clearly already finished. So she wanted to know what his plan was for coming to the U.S., and... Like, when he gets to the U.S., what's your plan? And he kind of heard this as a demand that he needs to immediately get a job and immediately start con- contributing 50% to the household. So, well, she had kind of said that earlier. I mean, maybe not this time. Well, right. It also, But I, I think the bigger sticking point is what it sounds like is she basically was like, you have to give up on the social media bullshit and get a real job. Oh, God. Right? Okay. So it seems like she's pretty sure he's going to fail at his acting and singing dreams and he should just do something else. So that means uh, she th- he thinks that she feels, at least, that she doesn't afford his dreams. Uh, and then things apparently even got worse. So Rasmus, um thought they were having a nice night. Like, his interpretation was, we were just having a nice night, talking, drinking wine, having fun. And all of a sudden, it's all about, like, you're not as good as Jason. He made more money than me. He used to buy me whatever I needed, whatever I wanted it, whatever I needed it, right then. So he knows that he can't compete with someone that isn't even around anymore. So he admits to, she, go back to her, she admits to saying some, what she says, hurtful things. And 
comparing him unfavorably to Jason financially. So she also told him that she's not sure this relationship can work, which brings him to tears in the interview. And she seems to not care about it at all. Yeah. So she openly wonders if he's going to even be patient enough to be with someone, you know, in her situation with open wounds. She wonders if, if, you know, she's even doing this too soon. She wonders a lot of things. Um, especially the patience thing, though. He thought he was doing pretty good patience-wise. So both of them seem to think that maybe she's not ready and maybe he's not what she needs. So he feels like, but he, I know having a heartbreak before, feels like maybe there's something wrong with him. Which is, he says, not how you're supposed to feel when you're in a relationship. So he says he's just confused and he's still crying and then that, uh, their segment ends. Uh, so, I mean, do you see any way this moves forward? No, I mean, she's already kind of told him. And what I find interesting is that she told him when the cameras weren't around. Yeah. You know, like mm -hmm. telling him, like, mm, I don't see this is working out, you know, and I, I just I feel really bad for him because I don't think she oh, I like to think that she isn't trying to be as hurtful as she is being hurtful. Right. I think she's just immature and she doesn't know how to get out of this situation. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think that, yeah, if, I, if I'm him, I think as soon as she starts comparing me to her dead husband, like, yeah. she's, she's just, she's going for blood. Like, that's yeah. all she wants. She wants out. Um, and I don't know that he disagrees with that. Like, he's like, right. I can't. As soon as you start comparing me to Jason, I can't. I can't possibly yeah. ever compare to him. Never will be able to in your mind. So as soon as you think that's the appropriate place to go with their conversation, then this is it. Now, she, I, I mean, it was just, it, it really was a whole vibe between their two interviews because he yeah. is really broken up about it. He's anxious. He's nervous. He's tapping this coffee cup and we go to her and she just does, just does not give a fuck. Oh no, she doesn't at all. Like when she's talking about it, it was very cold, kind yep. of matter of fact, like very mm -hmm. like, well, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. And so I don't, it's, it's just like, and it's funny, I mean, it's funny, it's just interesting that this is not the way I thought it would go into who's more invested in this relationship and right. who's not. Sure. Right. Because I mean, what do you think about his, his idea? Like, is it, is it too early to tell her kids that they're more than just friends? I, I mean, I think just the nature of their long distance relationship Mm -hmm. Just already, it has to mean something more because, and this is what, you know, I said last week, this is not an ideal, like, I don't want to say rebound necessarily, but your first dating experience out the For gate sure. from mm -hmm. what you were in, this is a terrible setup because it is almost designed like that it has to mean something because to put in that much effort is an investment you know, to have to get a visa, come over. Mm -hmm. And so it is more than just like, oh, just some guy that I'm dating or just banging, you know? What are a date with? Like, that, that's the thing to me. It's like the first thing, it wasn't even like a coffee date. It was, I'm going to Romania. Yeah, like, it's right. <laughs> like, yeah. It's nuts. Um, yeah, but I, I mean, I think she definitely comes across as more like the villain in the relationship. Yes. And that she's just very willing to just be like, nope, you're done. And especially like the whole thing. He's been... You know, he'd been trying to get in her pants this whole entire time. Right. And it wasn't until, well, your friend said something mean about me, so 
to prove her wrong, this is what we're going to do. Like, yeah, yeah. It's, 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 she's just, yeah, emotionally not ready for this. No, definitely not. All right. Uh, we didn't hear from Riley and Tiffany this time. I keep on saying t- Violet. Violet. I keep yes, on Tiffany, writing Tiffany. Yeah. Tiffany is Violet is Riley's friend. Yes, yes. Uh, we did not hear from Riley and Violet. So, uh, out of the group you saw this week, who would you say is your student of the week? I would give my student of the week to Dempsey. Mm-hmm. Um, because, because she said no. Like, honestly, like we were hoping she'd do that last time. Right. And she was very much like, no, it's too soon to move in together. You have a history of this. In fact, your ex, and then come, you know, being able to get to the ex already, like uncovering what's up, what's up already done, you know? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I actually gave mine to Jasmine. Um, Mm -hmm. I feel like she could have blown up. That is definitely in her character, too, to Dana. Uh, Gino even recognized it. Like, I'm just glad she didn't blow up, even though it didn't have as positive an outcome because Jasmine wasn't being sold on his apology, which I think is fair enough. And then also I thought it was just interesting her kind of being very self-aware of her situation, saying that she's emotionally unstable and rude and that she does these things to hurt other Mm -hmm. people and it's a work in progress. I mean, if she's still saying the same things, like, you know, if they end up on the spinoff and the spinoff and the spinoff, like... Then right. I'm going to be like, nah. Right. There's you a lot of talk and no action. It's but... not enough to recognize that you have a problem and just right. be like, well, that's the thing. You have to be working to solve it and working yeah. to fix it for sure. But as of now, I will give it to her because it does seem very like unlike her to be so like aware of what's happening. Yeah. Okay. What about your dunce? <sighs> I was really – I mean, I feel like we pretty much go back and forth between the same two people as bad right. as people are. But – I'm going to go Christian this time. Um, that whole conversation was just manipulative. Yep. Um, like it, it, to the to the extreme, he did like every trick in the book to manipulate yep. her. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was just it just made me feel gross, made me feel bad, and you get my dunce for that. Yeah, I agree with you, Christian. Um, yeah, and I do think it's interesting. We just keep on switching between Christian and Amanda because they yeah. are. They are just bad. the bad. worst this season. And I mean, there's other people that are like bad ish, but I mean, those two, it's like it's, week after week, just like, wow, how are these people in a relationship with anyone? Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 All right. Uh, what about your life lesson? I guess. So my life lesson is kind of towards um, Sheila, because I think one of the one of the things is that I mean, she obviously comes from a very tough situation, mm-hmm. um, but and she doesn't want to come across a certain way. But just talking about finances and understanding where your partner's coming from doesn't make you a gold digger, yeah. um, and make you even or even to be suspicious about being a gold digger. Like I would be suspicious if someone was saying they wanted to get marry me or like whatever, and didn't wasn't at least even curious about what my financial situation was like. Right. Right. You know. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, my life lesson directed at Tyre. Yeah. If you have no interest in just being friends, don't just offer friendship, right? <laughs> right. Like, oh, do you want to be friends? Because Tyre definitely seemed to be angling for something else. Oh, 100%. He definitely. Which is fine, but just be upfront about it. Yeah, yeah. It, yeah, be upfront about it. Because if you don't... <laughs> You're right. If you don't want friends, you're not going to get anything more than friends by 
saying, do you want to be friends? Right. Like, yeah. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or you can't expect anything more than that. For sure. So, mm-hmm. yeah. All right. So, uh, we will be back uh, sometime, same time next week. Oh, did you have anything you wanted to say about the other way? No, because we haven't seen it. No, we haven't seen it or yet. last week's. No, no, this is last week's. Now oh, I remember. I can't even remember what happened. I just know we haven't know. talked about Julio yet. <laughs> oh, Julio. Julio. Uh, yeah, he's kind of terrible. Keeps waffling kind of back and forth. But Oh, I just think he, I think he finally realized what – oh, I mean, he realized what it all means to have to move away. And like yeah. I told his mom, it was like – and then it was just like, I'm going to stay for – the pizza. <laughs> She's oh like, we gosh. can take a train to Italy. What are you talking about? The pizza. Yeah, yeah. I feel bad for his lady because mm-hmm. she is dealing with a lot of idiocy right now. For sure. Yeah, and uh, what's his face? Brandon dealing a lot of idiocy, idiocy with Mary as well. Yeah, I mean, I was surprised he was that like forgiving of her uh, Wi-Fi shenanigans. Yeah, I know, right? Yeah, she's just, uh, she's so, so awful. Mm-hmm. But this is like, but if I were to put my money on who's going to be married and stay married the longest, it'd probably be them. It's probably them, for sure. Yeah, yep. yeah, which mm-hmm. is awful. But, yeah. you know, right. she really does have him under her thumb, so. She, yeah, for sure. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, we'll be back again this time next week. So until then. Yep. All right. See everybody then. Okay. Bye. Bye. Bye.